Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Halo 7 podcast with your host, Dominic Lorenz. And today we continue our off-season player featured series. Now we kicked it off with back-to-back infielders, Michael Stefanik and Braxton Martinez. And today we are privileged to have yet another infielder. He's 19 years old from Oakley, California, and he's also listed as the number four prospect in the Angels farm system, according to MLBpipeline.com. Now in 2021, he spent time with the Inland Empire 66ers and the Tri-City Dust Devils. He did battle an injury, but he's back, he's healthy, and he's ready to go for a terrific offseason and 2022 season. So without further ado, let's welcome in Kyron Paris into the Halos Heaven podcast. Kyron, how are we doing today? And welcome to the show. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Of course. You know, it's always fun to see young talent in the Angels farm system. And for you, 19 years old, and as we're recording this podcast, it's November the 9th. In less than 48 hours, you're turning 20. A new, de- <laughs> a new decade starts for you. What is, what is that like, you know, just as anybody going from 19 to 20, starting a new decade of life? You know, it's actually crazy because time has just flown by. And uh, to think that I'm going to be 20 in two days is, is crazy. But, you know, I'm ready for it and stepping into an, a new chapter. So I'm ready. Yeah, and you've had a lot of big things happen just within the last couple of years. You know, we can mm-hmm. we all had the 2020 pandemic experience that we had to go through. But just two years ago, you were finishing high school. You were finishing your studies, getting ready for a potential college run, and then the Angels draft you, and your whole world changes in a sense. Yes. Before we get into that, I want to just kind of look into the small scope here for a second. September minor league season finishes up. We're a month and a, about a month plus into the offseason. What has that transition been like for you, and what have you been doing to stay busy in the last month and a half? Um, so once the uh, season finished up, we actually had instructs, which was nice. We had a lot of um, coaches and staff there to, to guide us and really um, give us instruction. And then uh, once I got back, um, I've just been working out and um, just getting stronger and focusing on getting ready and prepared for next season. Nice. So in those instructs, is it for, I guess you could say the commoner folks that are not in, in sports, is it like a nine to five thing or is it like you guys kind of chunk your workouts in the morning or afternoon or how does those instructs like what's a daily routine in the instructs uh so for instructs is mostly uh early mornings and afternoons so we would get up and uh we would get there around 7 30 and then from about 8 till about 12 we would just be working out um learning we'd have uh, meetings and talk about different things and just gathering as much information from the coaches and staff that we have available um as possible and then after the work the work day we would uh, play a game at one o'clock um whether it be away or home uh we get some games in and that was also good too good experience nice so you know you kick off that as your off season you're at home you know as i we mentioned before you even started recording this podcast you got the get up in your room with all the trophies and medals and bats and balls it's a great setup it's a great backdrop <laughs> for a great podcast thank but- you Let's let's turn the dial back a little bit. As I mentioned, 19 years old, just a year and a half, two years removed from high school. And you had a terrific high school career, four years, batted over 300, 34 RBIs, 71 runs scored in just 91 high school games. That's incredible for any high school player. And you transitioned that. And for a short period of time, I read you were committed to Cal Berkeley to be a Golden yes. Bear uh, for a little bit before getting drafted 55th overall with the Angels. 
So before even the Angels come into play, what was that process like getting offers from Cal and that experience walking the campus or doing different things with Cal Berkeley? And besides Cal, was there any other schools that had interest in you to come to their university? Uh, yeah, so uh, to begin with, I always knew that I wanted to either play college baseball or professional baseball. So uh, grades were always super important. So ever since I was in the younger grades, I always kept my grades up to allow me to have the opportunity to play college. And then along with that, just working hard and uh, going to showcases and being put in, in front of the right people um, in order to give myself the opportunity. And then once the opportunity um, came, uh, I had a lot of the Pac-12 schools um, on the West Coast and then a few on the East Coast, but I wanted to stay more on the West Coast. I, I kind of like it out here. So I kind of narrowed it down to the Pac-12 schools and, and uh, Cal just kind of fit. And um, I loved it. I loved it there. I loved the coaching staff. Um, I wanted to major in business. So that was perfect too. And they have like one of the best business schools in the country. So it, it was just a perfect fit. Nice. And, you know, that's always a great thing to hear, even though athletes, you know, they're, you know, focusing on the game 24 seven, but grades are just as important and majors, you know, always something yeah. to, you know, I don't want to say fall back on, but something once your career's done, you want to excel in the next phase of your life and business for you is that sense. Now, Angels draft you 55th overall in 2019, right off the bat. What is that feeling like you're sitting at home or in person and second round, your name's called. How does that feel in your mind and your heart and everything you've worked towards to get to that point? You know, it was a, it was a real emotional day because uh, I had all my family here and uh, we were all together. We were watching the draft and then uh, just to hear my name called in the second round, and by the angels, it was, it was a like crazy experience. Um, like all the hard work that we had put in, like not only myself, but my family and getting me in this position, we just knew that it had paid off. And now it was time to start the next chapter with the angels. I was, I was glad to be an angel for sure. Yeah. And we, and, you know, we love having you in, like I said, at the, at the start off here on the show, number four prospect in the angels farm system with a lot of great names up there in the top five, top 10, and even in the top 30. Before the draft, you go through all your workouts, you go to Florida and you do the perfect game. You know, we see you hit and we see you fielding and just it's, it's those pre-workouts and just kind of you're showcasing yourself for all the major league teams to, yeah, Hey, draft me. I'm your future. This is where it's at. And I read a little bit that the Angels actually sent some front office guys to your house to have a meeting. Is that is that true? And what was that like with you, yourself, and your family, and some of the Angels brass coming over to have some conversations with you? Yeah, so uh, when you're in the draft process, a lot of teams, if they're super interested in you, they'll send their some of their front office guys and their scouts to come uh, sit down with you and really get to know you and get to know your personality and see who you are off the field. So when the Angels came in, um, we sat down and uh, it was my, myself and my family and we just had a talk and really got to know know each other and see what everything was about uh, myself with the organization and um, and they got to see who I was as a person and outside of the baseball aspect of things and really get a feel for who I am. So, yeah. And to have your, you know, your, your, you know, you're here at home and you had your family there with the Angels in that interview. How 
much of an impact has your family had, not only in your life, but shaping you into this point of your life in the Angels organization as, as a human being, as a baseball player? How, how have they made an impact in your life in all facets? Oh, like you said, all facets, because I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Uh, my parents, they, they instilled a lot of great aspects um, in me and just being able to become the man that I am, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. So huge thank you to my family. And yeah, it's, uh, they definitely helped me along this way. Now, after a 2020 year that was surprising to everybody with the pandemic and the lockdown and you know just an, an unpredictable year and then 2021 minor league baseball came back you had your first full season in the angel system and you were with inland empire and a little bit with tri-city was your family able to you know travel down and see you play live in person in san bernardino even go up to washington a little bit yes yes they came down to san bernardino uh, and, and they saw me play with the 66ers. And also when I came up here to Stockton to play against the Ports, they were able to see me as well. Okay. So, you know, now this would probably be a question for them, but I'm pretty sure you can answer it with, you know, all your tight knit bond. Were they emotional? Because, you know, they've seen you grow up little league, high school, and through, through the ages of baseball. And now, you're in the Angels. You got that Angels patch on your on your sleeve, you know, regardless if it's with Tri-City Dust Devils or Inland Empire. Were they emotional seeing you play live in game in, in minor league ball? Yeah, I think so, because it was it was just like it was real. It was that moment of like, wow, we're watching a minor league professional game and like I was playing. So and then a cool thing is I grew up um, doing showcases and playing tournaments at the Stockton Port Stadium. Uh, over in Stockton so um, and we also used to go to a lot of games when I was growing up so just being able to be on that field and then playing and then them being able to watch me it was kind of like surreal yeah so Banner Island Ballpark holds some memories for you up there in Stockton and you know it, 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 it always becomes a full circle moment at times you know you can remember what seat you were in as a kid and then tournaments and now you're not in the seats anymore. You're, you're in the dugout. You're playing in the infield. Right. It, it's kind of a full circle moment now. Speaking of full circle moments, let's take it back a little or bring it back a little bit more to 2020 pandemic season. How did you get through that mind and body getting through a lockdown and not having the 2020 minor league season to fall back on and to you know keep those skills up as if, you know, 140 game season on the go 24 seven for seven months. That was a dead stop. And you kind of had to find your own way to have baseball in your life. How did that work out for you? Well, it was definitely different because um, once we were in spring training and we got the news that we were heading home, we didn't really know what to expect. Some guys were thinking we were going to be gone for two weeks and we'd be right back at it. But uh, just coming home and, and staying ready and staying in shape, um, we definitely had to find ways to um, get, get in work because a lot of the gyms were closed and, and you know, we were in quarantine and everything. So um, I was working out in my garage and then uh, just hitting off the tee in the backyard just to stay ready and prepare. Now, you got something fun that happened to you. The Angels gave you a call and invited you to join the alternate site out at Blair Field at the, the campus of Cal State Long Beach. Um, 
what was that like walking in the first day, seeing all the guys and thinking, hey, I'm at the alternate site. Yes, I don't have a minor league season, but I may be on the cusp of maybe seeing some major league action before I even see a real minor league game. Did that blow your mind away? And what was that level of preparedness like at the alternative site? Because a lot of people don't didn't really get to see what went on behind the scenes. So kind of let's undo the curtain a little bit. And what was the alternate site like for you? Yeah, so once once I got back home, I, I knew that they were going to have an alternate site about a month, a month in. So uh, I really wanted to stay ready. So I, I spent time getting stronger, um, working on my speed and different aspects of the game. And once I got the call, because I didn't know that I was going to be gone, but once I got the call, um, I was I was super excited because I knew it was going to be a great opportunity to play ball against some of the top guys on our in our organization. So um, once I got down there to Long Beach, um, the the uh, whole vibe of it was was very professional. I, I learned a lot from a lot of the veteran guys that were there and um, we got in a lot of quality work. Everything was quality. And uh, just the relationships I was able to build and the people I was able to learn from, it was truly one of the best experiences that I've had. Now, out of those players and coaches that were there, what was the one biggest piece of advice someone gave you that you really took and just followed it and it made an impact in your game during that time? Uh, Definitely the pitchers, all of them, they had – uh, when I first got there and I was hitting against them, they're a lot older, smarter, more mature and uh, as as players. So they were they were getting me out uh, quite a bit in the beginning. Um, and they were also teaching me how they were getting me out and what what they saw. So once I was able to really look back on that and um, just see how they were pitching in sequences. And um, that was the first time I had ever really experienced that so that helped my game a long way and even now I keep that in the back of my head when I'm playing minor league baseball out of those pitchers who was the toughest to face who really had you on your heels that you had to really work and say before we leave this alternate side I need to get like five knocks off this guy just so I feel (laughs) feel good about myself and maybe give him a little moment of yeah I can hit you now let's see how this goes uh, definitely Chris Rodriguez. He, his stuff was filthy. The slider, um, the fastball with ride. And then uh, funny story, uh, I was the, one of the first batters to face him when he was practicing his two seam. So I didn't know that he had it. And uh, he threw it and the ball just took off. And I was like, what was that? <laughs> and um, now, now being able to see him in the big leagues and getting guys out with it is is crazy because I was just facing it and yeah hands down Chris Rodriguez so he gave you a little taste of the majors where you might not you might get a scouting report but you might not get all of the scouting report (laughs) all in one shot but one of the things I I read about one of your coaches Chad Tracy had mentioned um, high energy and a strength of maturity those were two things that they characterized of you where do you get now? Okay, 19 years old, going to be 20 here in a few days. So energy is something natural for a young kid. Where do you get your energy from? And then the maturity of the game at such a young age, what do you attribute those two factors to today? 
Uh, I'll say starting with maturity, um, I've always had a vision of where I wanted to be and, and what it takes to get there. So I've always been real mature, whether it's working out or on the field and just the details matter. So I, I definitely take that into it, into accountability. And, um, and then energy as a shortstop, I just want to have a lot of energy. You know, shortstops are the leader of the team. And once the shortstop is picking everybody up, pitching, picking the pitcher up, um, picking the outfielders up, it kind of just lifts up the whole team and uh, it's, it's, it creates a better environment to win. Yeah, you know, you, you, we can see all this on social media sometimes, all those little memes of the baseball diamond and every position it says, oh, the first baseman's like the power hitter and the center field's the speed guy yeah. and the shortstop's the leader. You know, it, it's funny, but it's true for, for mm -hmm. a lot of people that play the game, you know, but you look down and you get that experience in 2020 and you kind of roll that over into last off season, spring training 2021, and then the 2021 minor league season comes about. And in a way, it was kind of a shortened season for you because you did have an injury. Um, but we'll get into that in a second. But let's bring out the stats for a minute. 29 games with the Inland Empire 66ers, 13 with the Tri-City Dust Devils, and then you had five games uh, in the Arizona League on a kind of a somewhat rehab assignment. But all in combination, a 267 average, four home runs, 25 runs batted in, 38 runs, 30 walks, and what I love, 22 stolen bases. The speed factor is real, and we saw it, you know, this year with Shohei Otani. We've seen it in years past with Mike Trout. Your speed, was that something you naturally had, or is that something you've worked on and got better as your career has, you know, progressed? Um, I would say a little bit of both, because uh, growing up, I always was one of the fastest kids, but once you get to professional baseball, guys are a lot faster, um, uh, infielders are better, uh, catchers, they throw harder. So you have to really take your speed to the next level. And last off season, um, I did that with a lot of like sled running and uh, sprint work. So I was, I felt very prepared coming into this season and my speed was probably at the best it's ever been. And um, I plan to continue that because it was fun still in all those bases. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you always like to get that little extra advantage on the base path and to get first to second or even on a base at first to third always makes the biggest difference Definitely. now let's get kind of I would say the quote-unquote maybe the low point of last season mm -hmm. where you could have just shut the door and said okay we'll we'll look to next year and, and hope for better you had a non-displaced fractured fibula uh, that you suffered at the end of May and then you returned at the end of July early August um, with Inland Empire you know, some of us weren't maybe at every minor game or didn't even know you had an injury. So how did that injury happen and take us through the process of rehabbing and getting back to, to game shape and back into game play? Yeah. So we were about a month into the season and uh, I felt a little discomfort in my shin area. And uh, at the beginning, I thought it was just shin splits, but over the course of two games, it just got unbearable. So um, I went and got it checked out and it became, a, I, I found out that it was a fracture. And from there, um, it was kind of disappointing because I was playing well, the team was playing well. I loved every second of it. San Bernardino and the 66ers have a great environment. Um, so it was kind of a bummer, but I went back to Arizona um, and worked with the staff. And uh, over the course of a few weeks, 
they helped me get stronger, get back on my feet. And um, they really gave me everything that I needed to get back on the field and uh, get back even stronger. So from there, I played um, my rehab games and um, I enjoyed my time with the, with the younger guys and just, they had a lot of energy too. So they uplifted me, bringing me back in. And it was fun just to be around them and play. And um, once I got back on the field, from there, I just continued to play pretty well. And um, once I got back to San Bernardino, um, I kept, continued that and was able to get promoted to high A, which was, which was a super cool experience. And um, I think my hard work really paid off from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I can only imagine how tough it is to start off the year and you're playing well, and then you get an injury and that sidelines you for a little bit. Is it tough to be patient and, you know, let an injury heal, do your rehab and then get back and hopefully, you know, the sparks are still there and you pick up right where you left off when you had the injury. Is it, is it hard to be patient? Uh, definitely. Because as a, com as a competitor, you want to get back on the field as, as soon as possible and you want to be out there competing with your team. Um, so taking your time is not always the easiest thing, but working with the staff and, just communicating with them uh, made it a lot easier. And I knew that I was going to be in good hands once I got back on the field. So they definitely helped me a lot through that situation. Now, you mentioned, you know, the 66ers in San Bernardino, a wonderful organization and just great fans. What was something unique about that team that you were on, your teammates, the coaching staff? What was something unique that maybe fans didn't get to see on a daily basis. So again, for another question, let's peel back the curtain a little bit. What goes on behind the scenes and what was something special with that team? Uh, I would say the main thing is we, we were pretty close. We were all pretty close. We had the same vision in mind. We wanted to go out there and compete every inning of every game. Whether we won or we lost, we knew that we gave our all. And um, yeah, we were just pretty gelled together and we all have one vision and wanted to help each other get, get better. Now, in our last episode, we talked to your teammate Braxton Martinez about, you know, the team and what was unique about them. And he kind of pinpointed a couple things. And he said, you know, for being kind of an elder statesman at 27 years old, he said, this guy, I wish I had this. Or for you, it was he wished he had your energy and speed for your teammate Jeremiah Jackson, his batting or Edwin Yon's power. Out of your teammates, what is something that you wish you had maybe when you were, I guess I could say, a little bit younger that you could incorporate into your game to be even better than you are now? Well, I always, I always go back to the knowledge of the game. Like uh, being around Braxton, he's had a lot of experience. So he helped not only myself, but the whole team in just learning more about the game and being more prepared for situations that came up in the game. So once we had those conversations, everyone learned different aspects of the game from him. And then just being alongside Jeremiah Jackson, we uh, played up the middle together. Uh, that was also fun too. But yeah, just the knowledge of the game from Braxton and um, that, that, I think that helped us the most. Now with Jeremiah Jackson, he's currently, you know, working in the Arizona Fall League uh, with the Desert Dogs. Um, point up the middle with him. You guys are the second base shortstop tandem. For any middle infielders, kids that are playing Little League, what is the biggest 
factor or biggest aspect between a shortstop and a second base that you have to have to gel well and have that consistency up the middle? Uh, well, first, I, I would say a relationship. Me and Jeremiah are pretty close, so uh, that was playing with him was super easy. And um, I would say that's the biggest thing because once you have um, once you have a relationship with your shortstop and second baseman with Trevor side you're playing on, it makes it a little bit easier. You guys know each other, and uh, it really works all together when you're making plays and knowing their different ranges and what balls they can and cannot get to. Uh, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, and that's, you know, everybody says practice, practice, practice. You know, that's the big thing. When you guys are doing your workouts and spring training, you know, you're going to get that feeling. You're going to get that knowledge and relationship with each other to take that into, if it's San Bernardino in the low A level, high A, double A, triple A, wherever it goes, and hopefully someday, you know, at Angel Stadium, you know, with the Angels. So speaking of the Angels, let's kind of look forward into the future a little bit. We're currently in the offseason. You know, yes, you know, we've passed Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and guess what? The biggest holiday of them all, spring training and opening day. It's going to be here before you know it. What are your current off-season plans between now and you get to Arizona for spring training? What are your specific workouts? What are things you're working on to improve your game this off-season? Uh, definitely strength. Um, being a young player in the minor leagues, I think that one of the biggest separators between minor league players and, and older major league players is, is strength. So I'm definitely working uh, every day to get stronger, faster, and um, really just take my game to the next level because once you're strong, it makes everything a little bit easier. Once you get out there, uh, you hit the ball harder, you can throw harder. So definitely strength is what I'll be focusing on as I'm going into next season. Nice. And is there something you're looking forward to next season maybe it's at spring training maybe being with all the guys once again or something during the season is there maybe just kind of a, a mark that you're you know that you're kind of getting antsy about and you're kind of getting that you know butterflies in the stomach looking forward to because you've been off for a month you know you've had that schedule from february to september and it's 24 7 on the go and then the dead stop happens and it's like oh i kind of miss my friends i miss my teammates like what happened what what are you looking forward to in, in a fun way I'm definitely looking forward just to getting back with with my teammates, you know, uh, being being around them the whole season and then kind of everyone just goes home and uh, you, you start to miss them. So definitely just being back with the with the group of guys. We have an amazing group of guys um, and just being around them really uplifts everyone's spirit. And we we love being around each other. So definitely looking forward to that. You know, it's it's band of brothers in baseball. You know, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you know, you're going to be with these guys, regardless if you get promoted throughout the year, these guys are your brothers for life. And looking at it now, as mentioned at the beginning of the show, you're listed as the number four prospect in the angel system. Does that go, does that play in your mind at all? Or is it just every day is a new day, dead focus, whatever the rankings are, the rankings are, I still got to go out and do my job every day. Does, does it play in, into your mind at all? Um, not really. I would say if anything played into it, it would just be making sure that I lead by example, because um, once you're a top prospect, um, whether it's little kids that are following the angels or your own teammates or whatever, they're looking up to you. So leading by example is definitely one thing that I value myself on and um, make sure I'm doing things the correct way each and every day. 
Now, I did see scrolling through Twitter earlier, I think maybe late summer, August, September, whatever that time scale was. You were with uh, Tri-City Dust Devils at the time. And you were on the road. I don't remember what city it was in. I, be- I want to say Eugene, possibly. Someone had posted on Twitter that you took out time before the game to sign an autograph for a kid that had been screaming your name and really wanted to say hi to you. And, and they were just, he was so happy that, he, you know, he got a signature by you and just to even meet you. What is that interaction like after a 2020 pandemic, you're no fans. And at the beginning of 2021, very limited fans, you kind of had to keep your distance from them. But then by the end of the year, it was kind of somewhat back to normal. You could do autographs, you could meet people. What is that interaction like with the fans that you love so much? Oh, I just love the, the energy that they bring and uh, just the way that they, they're really engaged in the game and they, they love meeting the players. So um, it was funny. It was, I was playing catch and the kid was looking and he was a younger kid, definitely for sure. Um, and I think it was his first game as well. And I saw him over there and I uh, ran over there with the ball once I was done playing catch and uh, signed it for him and took a picture and uh, his family actually posted it later and I found out that was his first first baseball game and uh, just memories like that last with the kid forever because I know a lot of people sign autographs for me and it just really really enlightened me to keep playing and want to get better so I definitely want to pass that on to the next generation. Yeah magical moments in baseball and, and on that note Speaking of autographs, is there maybe one autograph when you were a kid or, or interaction with the player that you just were starstruck or had a moment of like, wow, he came over to see me and, and talk to me in that sense? Um, well, so I was with practice with the pros is uh, it was a camp that they would put on out here in Oakland. And um, a lot of the old pros that played in the big leagues would come out and work with us and we would get to practice with them and learn from them. And uh, Ricky Henderson was there and uh, he, he took the time out of his day to sign everyone's autograph at the end of the camp. So uh, getting the autograph for him and meeting him, that was definitely something that uh, I'll cherish forever. Yeah. Ricky Henderson. I think maybe is that where the stolen bases come in the speed? You're like, Ooh, Ricky Henderson, I, I got it. I got to reach that level. When I get to the majors, got to beat Ricky Henderson in the stolen base category. Yeah, definitely. Just, just stuff like that. Really like he inspired me to steal bases and just be like him. So um, I always think about that once I see young kids, whether it's in the fan in the stands or uh, either even out in public, I'll just try to go out my way and pass it on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, kindness goes a long way and, and, you know, in the world we live in today, you know, there's crazy things that, you know, you can't take, you know, for granted sometimes. And I think you're making the most of your opportunity. You have a terrific mindset. And, and now having a conversation with you at 19 going on 20 in a couple of days, you are very mature for this game. And I know you, your future is extremely bright. Now, with all that baseball talk, got to have a little fun here as we as we get to the last segment here of the podcast our rapid fire finale five or six questions have fun with it and let's see where we get it you ready all righty all right first question what is your favorite activity to do in the off season that you can't do during the baseball season uh, I would say golfing I've definitely picked up golfing and uh, as an everyday player um, as like a position player you don't get that much time during during the season to go out and just enjoy a day on the on the green. So 
uh, some of my buddies have gotten me into golfing and uh, that's one thing that I love to do, especially during the off season. Okay. Yeah. I picked up golf a couple of years ago, working in minor league baseball. And yeah, during the season as a player or as a staff member, there is no time for that. You got to, you got to, <laughs> you got to get your strokes right in the off season. Who cares if it's raining or, or, or snowing? Well, for us right. in California, it's, it's sunny 24 seven. So we can <laughs> golf whenever we like. Right. All right. Question two, as a shortstop, what would be more special for you? A silver slugger award or a gold glove award? Oh, definitely a gold glove award. Uh, that's like, that, that would be a crazy experience just winning a gold glove. And uh, I definitely value defense. And um, even watching the World Series, that watching the Atlanta Braves, they were very fundamental. And um, watching them just make the routine plays and help their pitchers, I definitely think that win, wins games. So winning a gold glove uh, would definitely mean the world to me more than more than a silver slugger. Although both are super cool, but I would say gold glove. Well, I think if, uh, you know, defense is the best offense, they say in a lot of sports. And I know, especially in the Angel system, GM Perry Manassian, Joe Madden, they preach defense. So you're, oh, you, know, definitely. you are preaching to the choir. And so I think you, <laughs> if they ever see this podcast or when they do, you know, I think you might have gotten a little bonus point today for, for your work today here on the podcast. Um, pre-game ritual, when you're getting ready for a game or when you're working out, what is the most streamed song in your playlist? What is the, the one go-to song you have to have for any, any workout game moment? Um, for me, I don't have a specific one, but definitely in the locker room is San Bernardino. There is a song, uh, La Mamala, and uh, it was a Latin song, and they would definitely play it every day. And as a team, we would all go crazy to the song pregame, so... That was definitely one that that was a must play before the game. Okay, so keeping it fun, keeping a little a little Latin flair, a little Latin style. Definitely nice. All right, question four: Name a subject or something you're not as good at, but you wish you were, and you want to get better at. Now it could be history, math, or something a, a, a skill that you want to get better at. What's something that you want to? Uh, something that I want to get better at would be, um, I mean, I would go with history because, uh, history, like I have a hard time remembering a lot of this stuff. So I'll definitely like, I, I have a lot of interest in history and I love it. And, um, I, I just wish I could retain it more. So when it, when it's brought back up in like two years or so, I can remember what I learned and just having a conversation about history. I definitely admire the people who, who can remember a lot of stuff and bring it up in different conversations and have a conversation about it. So it's safe to say you're glad that tomorrow you don't have to wake up and take a history test in high school. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are past. You got through that. You got to baseball. Now you don't have to worry about that history <laughs> to a degree yeah. anymore. Yeah. All righty. Where is one place you would love to travel but have yet to be uh, so far? Um, I would say... I see a lot of pictures of Greece all, all the time on, on social media, and it just looks like a beautiful place. Um, so I would say Greece for sure. Nice. Yeah. Mediterranean. Love it. Now, this is a sidebar before the final question. Speaking of Greece, has anybody ever told you you resemble a little bit of Giannis Antetokounmpo, a little bit of the Milwaukee Bucks? No, I haven't gotten that one. Really? I haven't gotten that one. 
Okay. But that's interesting. That, I can see it. I can see it a little bit. I can see it because for some reason, as as we're talking here, Giannis Antetokounmpo and for some reason Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> you, it's just like a match of those two athletes, that. which is great because you get the strength of Giannis and the speed of Kyler Murray, and those are the oh, two things that you want. So <laughs> definitely, those so maybe, those two combined are that would be a, a superstar for sure. <laughs> so in your basketball life and your football life, we we know where you stand. We exactly. know where you stand in fantasy. Exactly. All righty. Last question. I call them the island questions. It's a three-part question. If you're ever stranded on a, on a desert or a tropical island, your, your choice, what is one food or meal that you're bringing with you? Um, one food or meal? Probably my mom's macaroni and cheese. Ooh, what makes it special? Uh, she's always cooked it since I was young, and it's just uh, she homemade uh, it's every home everything is homemade and it's just uh definitely brings me back to my childhood and uh just something that she's always made so I love it can't beat mom's cooking okay no so along with the mac and cheese what is one movie you're bringing with you on the island uh rookie of the year rookie of the year yeah, Keep rookie of the year for sure nice and last but not least who is the one person that's coming with you dead or alive it doesn't matter who Who's joining you to keep you sane on this island? I'm bringing my little brother because uh, he's just, he's so funny and he's full of energy. So I'm definitely bringing my little brother. He'll keep me, he'll keep me entertained for sure. Oh man, you know, you gotta, you gotta love being the older sibling in that case. And even if he gets yeah. on your nerve, you can still kind of older brother him a little bit and kind of get him in shape a little bit. Uh, awesome. Well, that's the rapid fire finale. Uh, Halo fans, this is Kyron Paris. He has been so awesome to join us here on the Halo 7 podcast, just to get to know him and see what he's like at 19 years old and his knowledge of the game and the maturity. And you can tell the high energy level that is just so great at this level. So Kyron, thank you for joining the show. Whenever you want to come back on and talk baseball or just talk about where you are in your career, you are more than welcome to come back in and just have a great conversation. Oh, thank you for having me. I'll definitely be back. Absolutely. We'll keep an eye out for you uh, this offseason in spring training. Wish you the best of luck. That's the best uh, ability, availability. So stay healthy, stay well, and uh, we'll look forward to having you next time here on the Halo 7 podcast. Thank you.